This is Daizen QBX, the podcast, episode 196 for the week of November 8th, 2009. Hello, welcome to Dies and Shuby X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan Dies and Shuby X. We cover anything and everything in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. You forgot the word Dragon Ball in there. We what, did. What's the show about? It's about everything. <laughs> did you hear it? Everything, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh that's, that's right. Oh, yeah. well, let's try that again. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening. Oh, yes, yes. And a little bit of entertaining. I can pick up on uh, cues here. It's different when you're not in the room with us, although we are looking at Mr. Pornstar Mustache himself. <laughs> He's got the webcam rocking. Picture oh, clarity yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, it's really clear. Frame rate's great. And it's uh, pretty creepy, I gotta say, Julian. Damn it, Japan. Creepy. Yeah, I said it. What? It's not creepy. <laughs> You're just jealous because you can't grow facial I hair. I cannot grow facial hair. Ever. <laughs> We've got Julian over here with the mustache and Jeff with the Jew beard. I don't really think you want facial hair, honestly. I don't want this facial hair. <laughs> Let's do the introductions here. Off in Japan, looking at us with his freshly grown mustache, Julian joins yes. us. Hey. Hey, man. I'd ask how you're doing, but everything seems to be pretty rocking. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, moving on then. Over here to my less than proverbial right, and by that I mean my actual right, Mary. Hey there. Hi. Hi. Things good? More or less. Ready to talk about Dragon Ball? I am. All right then. Moving on yet again. He's here, so is that time of the month when uh, Jeff joins us. That's right. Ready to talk about Tamangas? Yeah, I might be. All right. Did you read it? No. Yes. Sort of. <laughs> no, I did. All right. And that leaves me, Mike, Vegito EX. Yeah, we uh, we skipped over it last week. Normally, we do our manga review of the Osmus the first week of every new month. But uh, because Mary and I were on vacation and it would have been too close to the previous one, we did the game review last week. And here we are catching up our manga review. So look forward to that. So what's on deck this episode? Well, we got a crap ton of news. The releases get larger and larger as we move forward in the month. It's kind of frightening. We've got emails. We get emails in the news. Ooh. We're just loaded. This is wacko. This is This is wacko. coming off of like a week or so of not a lot of news and I was liking it. Now we gotta work. I know. Damn. I, know. I just want to get to the meat and potatoes and oh, talk about manga. We have crazy meat and potatoes for you this episode. You don't like don't you potatoes. Alright, anyone got any stuff they want to hit up real quick? I give the floor to you. Crickets. Silence. Crickets. Ribbit. Julian? Nothing in particular, although no, not not much. Oh, I did see somebody in a Goku a costume for Halloween. Oh, did you? <laughs> And how was Halloween for you? It was fun. Wow. Sounds it. Yep. All right. Well, I did, I did catch a cold, but other than that. No swine flu yet? Nope. All right. We're hitting the news then. <laughs> All right. First thing we got for you is Latin America updates. Two things going on in two different countries. Over in Panama, Toei has struck a deal with Medcom to air the entirety of the first Dragon Ball TV series. That is all 153 episodes. Then over in Brazil, Play Art has secured a deal to release the Dragon Ball series on DVD. And the article isn't especially clear, but it does seem to be the first Dragon Ball TV series as well. And when I updated with this, I said, you know, I'm woefully ignorant as to what the situation is down there. I know Latin America loves the Dragon Ball, and even more than that, they love their Saint Seiya. They cannot get enough of that. And so... 
Everyone's coming out of the woodwork here. We have two emails from you. First up is uh, Jose from Panama. Jose says, I was impressed when I saw this news. I was not expecting my country name in your front page. That, by the way, I visit regularly. Yours and Constantai, of course. But it's weird. Megcom aired the complete Dragon Ball series, original to GT, years ago. Last episode of GT was aired in 2001. The original Dragon Ball series was broadcast, if I'm not mistaken, in 95. So I don't know the meaning of that news. Maybe it's a rebroadcast rights and maybe rights had expired could be doing it over again so uh there if you're in panama you can be watching dragon ball again it would seem then we've got guilherme from brazil and i apologize for butchering your name but like you say here i am brazilian and bad english speaker sorry so we'll just trade our bad language skills back and forth and didn't even know that there are dragon ball dvds to be released here after some little research i'm not sure that it's only about the first season, Z or GT. Good, but definitely I will not be by them. I'm just going <laughs> to read it as it is. I have the DBZ movies released by PlayArt. They were released some time ago. And the only option in the disc is Play Movie. Yeah, no language options, no remastering, <laughs> no extras, nothing. It's just like a VHS. And about Saint Seiya, it's right. Almost everybody from Brazil loves it. Seiya is as special to Brazil as Naruto is to the US or One Piece is to Japan. Although I must admit, have a pretty weak plot and then it concludes with samurai x forever ouch and and that makes me sad because that's not the name of the show i can't believe other countries actually got that thoughts from the peanut gallery here from panama and brazil anyone you have a lot of foreign visitors we do it's what i love about the site so much and it's my out that i use you know we cover the japanese version not just because we love it but it is the globally enjoyed version and i think this kind of proves it it also occurs to me that lh in portuguese is the same thing as ll in spanish why did i not notice that sooner oh i understand now looking at his name Interesting. Oh, that's where he got that. Guilherme. It's like a silent H almost. (laughs) There's a few silent letters in there. I'm glad we have Julian here with us. All right, so any other thoughts on the matter? Go Latin America. Go Latin America. Go Saint Seiya. Go Saint Seiya. <laughs> they love their Saint All Seiya. Right, samurai. I think Captain Tsubasa. What else do they love down there? I think they love the robots. All right, moving on. Jeff, I think you're up next. Yep, I got some news here about Raging Blast Famitsu scores. And uh, it turns out they got a 9888. Is that like different critics or different parts yeah, of the game? Yeah, there's four individuals that review and then it adds up. Gotcha. So uh, pretty much a bunch of eights and a nine. That makes a total of 33 out of 40 possible points. And uh, interestingly, enough these are the exact same scores that uh burst limit received a little over a year ago yeah very in that order too it was nine eight 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 so i guess you could go either which way with the games at this point thoughts on the scores i mean it seems high the demo. i think it seems it's really high. Good it's score. very forgiving yeah, i was gonna say that too. And it doesn't seem all that spectacular ah uh, for me too what are we gonna do with yes. you well speaking of raging blast here's some news coming out of uh, europe and the limited edition online retailers are putting many people's orders on back order or canceling them hmm that's odd and it's not really any word as to what's up there so what's the deal yo uh, here's the deal. Mike needs his damn soundtrack, and apparently it's only coming with his European limited edition. Ah. So I'm quite upset. Someone make it happen for me here. <clears throat> Next, Namco Bandai's second quarter fiscal 2010 figures. They had a 6.04 billion yen loss, or approximately $66.7 million, for the second quarter of fiscal 2010. In terms of Dragon Ball overall, the franchise dropped in net sales from 8.7 billion yen in the first six months of fiscal 2009 to 4.5 
5 billion yen this fiscal year, with a forecast of a full year net sales figure of 14 billion yen down from 15.8 billion yen last fiscal year. There were no Dragon Ball games in their top 10 performing games for the quarter, though with Raging Blast launching globally and Cyan Invasion launching outside Japan in third quarter, there is the potential for those numbers to pick back up. In terms of general toys and hobby merchandise, that is non-video games, the franchise dropped in net sales from 1.7 billion yen in the first six months of fiscal 2009 to 1.2 billion yen this fiscal year, with a forecast of a full-year net sales figure of 2.5 billion yen, down from 3.2 billion yen last fiscal year. Comments. Numbers. Numbers. In the nutshell, uh, Dragon Ball is down for Namco Bandai. The economy still sucks. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much. Not a whole lot else to say about that. It was a really slow quarter. Uh, we were talking about Funimation's figures last week. They didn't really have a whole lot coming out. They were expecting to pick up in quarter three. It looks like over in Japan, Namco Bandai, the exact same situation. Well, shall I uh, lighten the mood a little bit, Mike? Yes, Jeff, tell me all about Super Saiyan 3 Broly looking at me. Yeah, well, this is the uh, Progression CD single cover, and uh, it's the opening theme to Raging Blast, performed by none other than Hironobu Kageyama. And uh, we don't have a track listing, it's due out the 25th, but hey, there's a cover art. Actually, I'm not sure that that's Super Saiyan 3. You can't really see it coming down his His hair is a little bit obscured. Yeah. I think it's a little longer than it normally is. I don't know. I think it's actually the image from the cover of the game. He's not necessarily 3 on there. All right, thoughts on the cover? I hate the red logo on the red background. Yes. Yes, agrees. Agreed. Even the orange font, that's a little Mm -hmm. hard to read. On top of the hair, that's terrible. Ugh. Jeff, as the uh, art school major here. Oh, this is just terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. 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 It's very tolerable. That's <laughs> what I did there. All right, Julian. Uh, finish off the news for us here. All right. Well, those of you who ordered the U.S. Dragon Box, you are perhaps in luck because people's Dragon Boxes have started showing up. Some people began receiving their orders from Right Stuff as early as Wednesday, but I hear that the Amazon orders have not yet gone out, Mike. You know what? Screw all of you guys. I yeah. ordered from Amazon. Well, what's what's up with that? I mean, when were the pre-orders for Right Stuff uh, well, available? Yeah, right... I figured the prices wouldn't be as good on Right Stuff. Yeah. The, they, were, they were pretty comparable. Hmm. The deal is, <clears throat> Right Stuff acquired Z-Store not all that long ago. So, Right Stuff is sort of the default distributor for Funimation in a way. It seems like they got their stock in super early. And Right Stuff doesn't care about street dates, it seems. They See, just that's ship them out. really interesting because I figured the delay in the Dragon Box meant that the product wasn't ready yet, but yeah. people are getting it weeks it's early. Ready. Yeah, apparently it's, it's done, yeah. Wow. We have tons of pictures and people are already starting with some comparisons and stuff over on our forum. You can read through it. I think it went from one page to two pages. I woke up to 10 pages and then. And it was the 14 pages by the time I got to work, and it's crazy. And right now, it is all just enthusiastic, through the roof. People are just so excited. The book says things like, could it in? And his attacks are the Kienzan and the Taioken. And he's played by Mayumi Tanaka. That's it. Like, that kind of stuff is in there. This is so absurdly exciting, and I, I don't know what else to say. And you don't have yours. And I don't have mine sitting <laughs> in front of me. And I... Soul crushing. <laughs> it really is. Oh, it's killing me. My heart. It's soul taking. Wow. Never seen it. No interest. <laughs> but I see what you did there, Jeff. Thank you. Hey, we, we, we reference Hironobu Kageyama. Come on, I had to. <laughs> really, the news here is I don't have mine, and I'm really sad, and I'm really upset, and screw you guys. I'm going home. Bitter Mike. <laughs> Bitter Mike. With that out of the way, let's go over to our topic. Here we are at volume 31 in our manga review of Awesomeness. For those of you joining us for the first time with this here segment, what we do every month, we are going through the manga volume by volume. We've got 
a vast variety of different perspectives. Julian and myself read the whole thing front to back. Julian occasionally in Japanese as well as English. Got Mary over here, a longtime fan as well. Not necessarily read the entire manga, but the section you are thoroughly oh, familiar yes, with. yes, which I will talk about in our review. I know we will get to that. And then there's Jeff over here, who we are kind of living vicariously through because he is reading through the manga for the first time ever in his life. However, you are familiar with pieces of the story here, especially as we head toward the Cell game from fan subs a decade ago. Oh, yeah, it's just if getting not more. Longer, like 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's just getting more and more familiar. So, what we'll do is we will go through the chapters and we'll tell you what's going on in terms of story. And then we'll go around and uh, do a little detailed analysis. We get Jeff's predictions that we check in on and maybe him create for the future, although we'll talk about them, because now you said we're just testing your memory. Just shrug over there in the back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so like I said, Volume 31, this is going to be Chapters 362 through 373. It is Tankobon 31. That's pretty obvious. If you're going through the Kanzenban, the, uh, I say recent, but now it's been out for a few years in Japan. Uh, this is actually all contained within number 25. I think there's a chapter or two before it, and then a chapter or two after it. If you're going over here in the U.S. with the Viz, this will be graphic novel DBZ number 15. And if you're going by the Viz big release, that's the most recent, the 301 Omnibus. It's actually DBZ number five that either just came out or is on its way out, something like that. Uh, Julian, why don't you get us started here with chapter 362? All right. Chapter 362. The monster wonders if this isn't actually Piccolo standing in front of him. Off in the distance, Trunks and Kuririn can tell that Piccolo is significantly different, and he must have finally merged back together with Kamisama. Piccolo remarks that it's great that the monster has taken out everyone in the town, since now he doesn't have to hold back, and unleashes a huge blast from his left hand that totally encompasses the monster. Trunks and Kuririn feel the blast, but so do the Jinzo and Yingen, even further away off in the distance. Seventeen wonders if it was a volcano or something, but Sixteen confirms that the two giant powers are fighting each other. Seventeen wonders why Sixteen never said he had power sensors in him, but Sixteen simply replies that he never asked. Sixteen says that one of them rivals the other two Jinzo and Yingen's power, but Seventeen dismisses this as a joke, and they continue in their stolen truck. The monster tries to attack Piccolo, but he's just not fast enough. As Piccolo seems unimpressed now, the monster says that even though he's not yet in his perfect form, Piccolo's pretty good. This is why he's attacking everyone and stealing their energy. Piccolo demands to know who sent him in the time machine, but the monster says that he sent himself back in time. He couldn't fit as is, so he reverted back to his egg state. But he's impressed Piccolo knew about the time machine. He won't know about this, though. He cups his hand together, gets into position, and starts saying, Kamehameha. Okay. <laughs> Mary, 363. The monster fires a Kamehameha and Piccolo dodges, but gets caught from behind and pricked with the monster's tail as he holds Piccolo in place. He begins to suck the energy out of Piccolo from the arm, so Piccolo backward headbutts him and escapes. But his arm is all shriveled up. Piccolo admits defeat and asks the monster to explain who he is. The monster details that he is a Jinzo Ningen named Cell, created by Dr. Garrow's computer, coming from an experiment to develop a being from cells collected from all the greatest fighters. He got cells from Goku, Piccolo, and even Vegeta when he came to Earth. Piccolo remarks that if he got Goku's cell from that time period, no wonder the Kamehameha just now is so weak. They even got Frieza and King Cold cells when they came to Earth. The monster explains that the cells were taken by little robotic insects that have been there the whole time throughout the years. 
No one ever notices them. In fact, there's one here right now. Piccolo spots it and blows it up. The monster says it doesn't matter since the computer has collected all the data it needs, though he won't be complete for another 24 years. Piccolo says they've destroyed the lab, but the monster says the computer is in the basement below the lab. Piccolo then asks why it took the monster three years to appear since he came back, which was apparently because there was a three-year incubation period from the egg. Piccolo finally asks why the monster even came back in time at all, to which he responds that human lives aren't enough to achieve his perfect form. He needs to absorb 17 and 18. They didn't exist in his time, presumably killed by Trunks. So he killed Trunks, took his time machine, and came back here. It just so happened that Trunks had set the time machine for the time he did. Piccolo figures that Trunks was probably coming back to tell them that he destroyed the Jinzo Negan. Cell will have incredible power when he becomes perfect. Whether it's the Saijin cells or Frieza cells within him causing this desire for power, who knows. Piccolo smirks and thanks the monster for all the information he rips his shriveled arm off and immediately grows a new one in its place. The monster should have known about the regenerative powers since he has Piccolo cells. Jeff 364. Cell learns that this is the merger of Piccolo and Kami, which means the Dragon Balls are gone. Trunks and Cooter didn't show up and get a look down at the monster. Cell realizes that a Trunks is still alive in this timeline and must have come back in time, so he'll just have to go ahead and kill him anyway. Uh, Piccolo says he'll explain later and has to finish this thing off before it does any more damage. Cell then learns that even Goku is alive in this timeline, which certainly makes it different from his own. He's going to escape, absorb the other Jinzo Ningen, and attain his perfect form. He blinds everyone with the Taioken and suppressing his key, takes off totally untrackable. Cell figures he'll just keep absorbing humans little by little until he's powerful enough to confront 17 and 18, slipping away from Piccolo by keeping his power down the whole time. He looks up to notice Vegeta flying by, which is also different from his own time. Vegeta is frustrated about the two huge powers that were fighting, and is irate that one of them was Piccolo. Not only were they strong, but now it seems that Piccolo is even stronger than him as a super Saiyajin. As Piccolo finishes telling the whole story to everyone, including Tenshinhan, who has just shown up, Vegeta is even more frustrated that so many beings are flying past the Super Saiyajins. Chapter 365. Piccolo says that the whole galaxy will be in danger if this thing achieves its perfect form, since it has Frieza's cells in it, of course. Vegeta gets all pissy when Piccolo says Cell was stronger than the Jinzo Ningen, which was stronger than he was, babbles for a bit, and takes off declaring he will surpass the level of Super Saiyajin. Kudadin asks if Trunks went back in time to destroy the Jinzo Ningen if that would help at all. Well, it would fix that timeline, but of course he's creating a new one in the process and now the one that they all live in would still remain the same anyway. They can at least go and destroy the cell that's being created in this timeline so there won't be another one in a few years' time, if you can follow along with all that. Trunks and Kudadin take off and find the hidden basement. Before they destroy it though, Trunks notices the blueprints to number 17, so he swipes those to bring back to his mom and try to find a weakness. They then destroy the entire thing. The computer, the little baby cell, everything. Trunks tells Kudadin to bring the blueprint back to his mom, since he's gonna go train with his father. Neither of them will probably want to be with each other, but it'll be more efficient than training alone. Tension Han and Piccolo sense a huge disturbance in Key and take off, but Cell's already long gone, really just hiding up in the building right above them by the time they get there. Dr. Brief and Bulma look over the blueprints, which are pretty damn impressive, and will try to see what they can do. Three days pass, and the heroes pile into a plane to try and catch up with Cell, so they don't have to fly and kind of announce their arrival with their key. Chi-Chi goes to check on Goku, who's up and about. He's staring out the window and apologizes for worrying everyone, but he's all good now. He starts getting dressed as Chi-Chi and Kami send him protest. Goku explains that he's not going to fight just yet, especially since even Vegeta's no match right now, so he's going to try and surpass the level of Super Saiyajin. Julian, 366. 
Chapter 366. Goku says he's going to train for a year and wants to take Gohan with him. Chi-Chi protests at first, <clears throat> but says there's no way she'd be able to change his mind and needs to make Gohan as strong as possible. Goku teleports onto the plane with everyone else and tells them his plan to train in the room of spirit and time, which Piccolo notes he was only able to spend a month in when he was younger, with Gohan. He's going to take Vegeta and Trunks, too. Kuririn asks if Goku is frightened or excited to face this enemy. Goku says both. Goku then teleports off to the cliff where Trunks has been sitting and staring at his dad for three days. Vegeta initially doesn't want to hear anything, but when he hears about training for a full year and a day, he gets interested. He'll go, but he and Trunks get to go in first. The Jinzo Ningen finish scouting out Goku's house, but there's no one there. Sixteen can't sense him, but he'll either be at Kamisenin's house or Capsule Corporation. Roshi is closer, so they'll check there first. Mr. Popo brings the group to the door of the room of spirit and time. Vegeta and Trunks enter first. The air is thin and the gravity is heavier. The two of them are about to spend a year together in there. Cell continues to elude them all and grows even stronger over the next day. As they sit and watch the news, the group of Jinzo Ningen suddenly show up at Roshi's door. Goku isn't there, but Seventeen figures he'll make them tell where Goku is. Piccolo leads them off to an uninhabited island off <clears throat> to fight, while Kuririn figures and desperately hopes that the two of them should be coming out of the room of spirit and time soon. Seventeen says he'll kill Piccolo if he doesn't talk, but Piccolo says he won't go down so easily this time. Mary, of course I give this to you. Chapter Aww. 367. Thank you very much. Piccolo asks if Seventeen is fighting alone. He is. This is great since Piccolo will be able to prevent Cell's completion if he can take out just one of the Jinzo Nigen. As Piccolo powers up, Sixteen notes that this is not Piccolo. Seventeen gets slammed around a bit, winds up on the ground, and gets blasted away by Piccolo. He dodges up into the sky as Piccolo smirks and prepares a key attack. Goku and Gohan sense that fighting has begun, and since they only sense one one person, it must be against the Jinzo Ningen. Piccolo is much stronger, so he should be okay. Vegeta and Trunks should be coming out any moment now, too. Why is it taking so long? Was Vegeta not able to surpass Super Saiyajin? Piccolo scatters a whole bunch of key balls around Seventeen and collapses them towards him. Piccolo thinks he's got him, but Seventeen appears from the smoke surrounded by a protective barrier. Cell, in the middle of killing and absorbing another batch of humans, senses the fighting with Piccolo at such a full power, which means it's against the Jinzo Ningen. He's found them. Cell is more powerful than them now, so he will be able to absorb them and attain his perfect form. Jeff 368. 17 realizes this isn't the same Piccolo as before, so he'll have to be serious this time. The two of them begin an intense brawl with lots of hard punches back and forth. After a few good hits and a short bit of banter, 18 acknowledges that this guy is just as good as 17. Cell's bursting in at high speeds, excited for the day that he will become perfect. Everyone realizes Cell is on the move. And then Chi-Chi runs out and tells Kudurin that they have a call from Bulma. They've been able to find the Jinzo Ningen's weak point. They have an emergency shutdown switch inside, which they've been able to create a remote for. Han says it's great that they can now destroy the Jinzo Ningen to prevent such a disaster, although Kudurin thinks a little differently. Goku and Gohan are still waiting for Vegeta and Trunks to come out. They could be pretty useful right now since Cell's on the move. Piccolo and Seventeen trade another couple hits back and forth, and as Seventeen remarks that he'll never run out of energy, Piccolo glances to the side to see Cell hanging out on a rock looking down at them. Chapter 369. Seventeen doesn't recognize Cell, much to Piccolo's surprise. Cell is happy to see Seventeen, Eighteen, and, well... What's that one? Must be an old model, so he can just ignore it. Cell hops down and powers up as Piccolo goes wide-eyed in horror. Cell then slowly walks right past Piccolo, who doesn't even flinch. 
can barely move. Piccolo asks how many people Cell has killed. Vassell says they should all be honored to be a part of him now. It will take Bulma 20 minutes to arrive with the remote, so Kudadin will fly and meet her halfway to save time. Tenshinhan takes off to help Piccolo. Kamisenin is basically just left to sulk there with Chi-Chi, commenting that it's kind of hard to imagine the days back when he was considered the strongest in the world. Piccolo yells that this monster is trying to attack Seventeen and absorb him, so Seventeen is quickly able to dodge the incoming tail attacks. Cell ultimately pins him down, though, but Piccolo rushes in with a kick to save him. He gives Seventeen the quick rundown of the situation, but Seventeen still remains confident. Sixteen yells out that Seventeen needs to run, as this monster is far more powerful than them. The monster's goal is no longer to kill just Goku, and now the entire universe is at risk. Seventeen rushes in to attack Cell again, but gets knocked down as Piccolo jumps in to help once more. Julian. Chapter 370. Cell effortlessly slams Piccolo around over and over. Sixteen remarks that Piccolo isn't going easy on it. Cell's just that strong. Eighteen needs to escape. Piccolo, struggling to stand, creates a ball of energy between his hands and fires the enormous blasted Cell as Seventeen jumps for cover. At first, it looks like he destroyed Cell, but Sixteen says, no, he's not even remotely harmed. Cell emerges from the dust and water perfectly fine. Tenshinhan arrives to see Cell break Piccolo's neck and blast a hole right through his chest, then tosses him into the ocean. Piccolo's key vanishes as Goku and Gohan are still waiting for Vegeta and Trunks to come out. Sixteen tells Eighteen to escape again. He is going to take out Cell. Mary 371. 17's attacks are useless, and he ends up totally caught by Cell. Cell expands the end of his tail into a suction cup type thing and begins to engulf him. But there's a pat on Cell's shoulder. Bam! 16's punch sends him flying. 17 says the fighting is pointless, but as 16 rushes in, he notes that according to his calculations, he's just as strong as Cell is. The two trade blows. Cell's goal is to prick him with his tail, which he does, but it's useless as 16 is entirely robotic. 16 tosses Cell away and rips off his tail to prevent him from absorbing anyone else, but Cell immediately grows it back since he has Piccolo's cells for regeneration. The two continue their attack on each other, complete with 16's fists actually flying off his arms like a typical robot would. Jeff! 372. 16 rushes in to grab Cell and slams him down into the ground, making a decently sized hole. He then takes his hands off his arms, holds them under his elbows, and fires his Hell's Flash down to the hole. 17 and 18 are in shock, but 16 is still telling them to escape. Cell is hurt, but he's not dead. 17 gets cocky and wants to finish Cell off now that he's hurt, but as he stands there, Cell appears from the ground behind him and immediately sucks him up through his tail, even though Tension Han screams and points him out. By the time 16 gets to Cell, he has completely absorbed 17 into him, and the transformation has begun. 16 turns around and dashes away, screaming for 18 to run. He also yells for Tension Han to run for his life. Goku can feel that Cell's key has increased to a huge level, and Cell's first transformation is complete. Last chapter of this volume, 373. 16 grabs 18 and tries to escape, but Cell rushes over in front of them before they have a chance. Tension Han watches from a distance, pauses, and once again apologizes to Chao Tzu, saying he's probably going to die. Cell's impressed with his new speed and is curious about his power. 16 punches him square in the face, which doesn't phase him at all. So, yeah, he's pretty impressed. He blows 16 away with a blast and turns his attention to 18. She threatens to blow herself up if he comes any closer. Then Cell puts on 17's voice, which in the manga is indicated by kind of 17 hovering up above him, and tells 18 to come and be absorbed into the ultimate life form. There's nothing to be afraid of. They'll defeat Son Goku just like Dr. Gero-sama wanted. Wait, what? We never called him that. 
They hated him for turning them into Jinzo Ningen. Cell realizes he'll just have to do this by force then. He'll be able to sweep in before she has the chance to blow herself up. Cell suddenly looks up in the sky just in time to see Tenshinhan fire his new Shin Kikoho down at him, burying him down into a massive hole. Tenshinhan screams for 18 to escape and continuously fires blast after blast after blast to keep Cell down. Goku can sense what's going on and wants Tenshinhan to stop. He is going to kill himself. We arrive at the end of this volume. First, to check in on Jeff's predictions from last month. Are you ready here, dude? Uh, no, but okay. <laughs> All right. First thing we clarified was that you had no idea how the pacing was going to be in the manga. You'd seen some of this in the TV version. So yeah. You didn't know how fast it was going to move, that kind of stuff. You said Piccolo and Cell are fighting next time. All right? You got to fight with Piccolo and Cell. Bing. Although it was a little bit more in the TV version. Yeah, but you know what? That was predictable. Right. You said you don't know where it's going to go with the Jinzo Negan. Uh, they could go trying to find... Goku, but he's moved, so they'll still be traveling. Maybe someone will get a clue as to where who is? Well, they continued onward, and they tried to get a clue, and that didn't really work out for them, because now Cell's there, but I guess you were right in continuing to ask questions about it. You said for the second or third time that Goku is going to get better, and finally he Which he right. did. Which he did. <laughs> you said we already seen him out cold and getting better thanks to the meds, so it's about time that he got off and about. Finally, you said... Everyone else is going to need to be a lot stronger in order to fight. So we're going to have a training montage. Kind of. We're getting there. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, we're getting there. Well, it started. We, we do have the beginning of the Room of Spirit in Time training. Vegeta and Trunks are in there, and they haven't come out yet. We're still waiting on them. Oh, it must be like month number 10 for them, you know. <laughs> we're getting there. So you were pretty dead on with all of your predictions there. Uh, yeah, you know, technicalities aside, I'd say it worked out pretty well for me. Good job. So let me ask you then, we constantly talk about Toriyama's writing, and we've mentioned a few times how prior editors came to him, and that's why we had 17 and 18 instead of 19 and 20, and this is now why we have Cell instead of 17 and 18. They're keeping Toriyama on his toes, now Toriyama's keeping us on our toes. Because you're able to predict where it's going now, is that just because you've seen a little bit and you know where it's going? Is he getting too predictable where this is going? How do you feel about Toriyama's writing right now, Jeff? Mm, you know, there's other things that, that actually come to mind when I think of Toriyama's writing here, mm -hmm. other than uh, just how it's... I'm starting to be right in predictions. <laughs> right, right. Good for me, bad for him. I, I think it has have to do with me actually seeing it before. Because yeah. I know eventually what's going to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so you can almost sort of assume, okay, well, they're going to need to be a lot stronger. That sort of thing. Like that, I, I would disqualify myself on that one because, you know, sure. it's sort of like, duh, they're going to have to train. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think that um, getting pretty clear as to what needs to happen in order for them to start fighting Cell, at the same time, he's got all these transformations he's got to go through, so we want to see that happen too. Right, right. So I would kind of think that it's a little bit of both. Do you enjoy how Toriyama is doing Doing this, or is this falling into the trap of we got to have the villain transform? Because I mean, we went through so many with Frieza. Yeah, it's kind of true at this point. Maybe but... the way I phrased that was a little too negatively, so it was difficult to answer. Well, you know, it, that, it, it ties into a thing that really bothered me in this whole volume, which was uh, that it, things just seemed a little bit too convenient for the plot. I'll bring up how 
in order for Cell to like the whole backstory of Cell. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't buying a single bit of it. What that there have been insects all this time? That really bugged me. You didn't like that? No, I didn't like that at all. It just seems so unrealistic to me because it's like you know no one noticed a bug. I mean, obviously if the bugs miles away, they won't notice it. Of course. I mean, whatever. That's somehow they got cells to the. I mean, they pricked them or like what, what do they, they mean? Do? They just found hair on the ground. I mean, <laughs> right. exactly what it. It's just like it just seems too convenient for something like that to happen, uh, especially because we don't see any traces of this early on. Like we don't see anyone flicking something away from their shoulder, you know. Like it just seems a little bit too placed. Well, we know that Toriyama does not write that far ahead. Yeah. Oh, obviously, it's impossible for him as a writer. Yeah, but he has done some very convenient things before. And this was just too much of that for him. This was way too much. Julian, as someone who is so intimately familiar with the series, I mean, yes. we just accept what it is. We know what the story is. Do you agree? Is that just too convenient for you? <clears throat> I don't know. I guess it is a little bit, but like like you said, it's, I don't know, something you just kind of are made to accept. Mary, how about you? I, I want to stick with this because it is kind of, oh, by the way, for the last bazillion years, we've been monitoring you. The thing that bothers me more than the bug is um, the fact that this computer has been, it survived all this time and it's just been building him. Yeah, I agree. Right. That, I don't know why. I mean, they're both pretty bad plot devices. Mm-hmm. But I still like Cell, so I can accept it. Like, I think the fact that he needs to absorb <laughs> people to mutate is a pretty interesting thing. It's just, like Jeff said, his backstory is kind of, yeah, okay, well... I really didn't need it, you know? I mean, I'm also wondering if, like, if we actually needed to hear the backstory on him. Like, why not just leave him as sort of this anomaly that uh, happens from from Dr. uh, Dr. Garrow that they could have written maybe later on after he was defeated or in the middle of the Cell games even? Like, why did it have to be here? Because it just seems so 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 in the middle of the Cell game you wanted Cell to be, well, come out? Something, just something different. I mean, the way that it was placed here, just it was just too much at one time and just didn't really seem to gel to me. Okay. I want to stick with the character of Cell for a little bit. I have a little story for you. So, Mary, last week we were actually at um, the wedding of a couple friends. And cocktail hour, you know, you, you get going, you have a couple drinks, start talking about shit. Another friend of ours named Jeff, he was telling me that he's been watching through the series. Really, for the first time in God knows how long. There's another one where, you know, watch it way back when now he had picked up all the orange bricks he was going through. it. He was telling me that he has a big problem with Cell as a character. We've come off of Vegeta, who definitely has his own personality, and we have Frieza, who certainly had his own personality. Cell, he described to me as not really having anything that makes him unique. He's got Frieza in him, he's got Goku in him, he's got Vegeta in him. It's kind of a, a copy-and-paste character in those ways. What is his motivation? To get stronger. Great. But right? it seems like he's not even interested in killing Goku, which presumably that's what he was built for, and mm-hmm. he doesn't even really... Does he mention that in this volume? I don't remember. He's definitely looking forward to fighting Goku, but it seems to be more of... We don't get a whole lot in here, but as we continue onward, it's more of the, you're the strongest, you're the one I want to fight. It's more it's for not his like, own it, game. But it's not like the other Jinzoni game where they're like, we're out to kill this guy. Well, even 17 and 18 are kind of like, well, I guess we might as well go do it. So they don't really care anymore either. True. It's just something for them to do. But for Cell, it's not even something to do. It's just... I'm getting... That's the only thing he does. He absorbs all the humans. Now he's ready for 17 and 18. All he's interested in is getting stronger. Is that enough to sustain a character? Jeff, I ask you. Well, you know my answer's going to be negative on that one. Yeah. I, I really don't think so. Uh, it's um, He was born to be the strongest thing in the universe. Well, that only takes you so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, is... You it, need more from him, then. I do. It's sort of a tired plot device to say, oh, well, I just made him because I'm a badass. It's like, no, you, there's something you want to either use him as, like, 
a ransom for other planets or you want to, you know, you don't just want to make the strongest thing ever. You want to have a goal for that person too. And he's not even inherently evil. Like right. Someone like Piccolo Daimao was where he was just basically evil incarnate. I mean, his job was to be a demon. And it works perfectly. Cell is just an organic dude that wants to be strong. Yeah. Although I'm going to, I'm going to defend him a little bit because okay. uh, it says that he's like a copy and paste character. Mm -hmm. I think that's the whole point, isn't it? Because I mean, he's well, made yeah. up of cells of different people. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to take their cells, you're obviously going to have some behaviors from uh, those characters as I well. I think we see a lot of Frieza in him. Yeah. And they're not over the top about it, but I think it shines through. I like, think he's more like Vegeta, but without being as much of a douchebag, <laughs> which is odd because Cell's right. the main villain now, and I still feel like Vegeta's more of a prick than Cell. Julian, how about you? Thoughts on Cell as a character? Do you know where he goes from here? Is, is there any difference? Is he going to change at all? In terms of being a character... Well, I don't know. I think he gets a little bit more sort of, I don't know, Frieza. -esque. Yeah, he really does become more of a Frieza guy. But I don't know. It doesn't seem too far off from the way he is now, except that he's not, just not as strong, so he can't be quite as cocky. Mm -hmm. Something that just unfortunately cannot come through in the manga is Norio Wakamoto, who plays him in the TV series. One of the absolute greatest voice actors out there unfortunately has kind of become a parody of himself and really just playing himself in recent years but his portrayal of Cell I think adds a lot yeah, to the character I think that's why you know we're talking about Cell right now and fact that there isn't all that much to him, but I think uh, his portrayal in the anime makes him seem a lot more awesome than he actually is. Mm -hmm. That's something that's never even occurred to me until we're just sitting and talking about this right now. I think my outlook on him is totally changed <laughs> forever. Like, oh, great. Cell's not as awesome as I thought, but his voice sure is great. Right. Actually, can I ask something about that? Is it the same voice actor for him in his final form as well as his uncompleted forms? It sure is. I believe. Wow. Did we do an episode about uh, his voice performance in his different forms. I want to say that so. I want to say that we did. Yeah, his first form. He I always describe first form cell as. Bleh. <laughs> right. He, he kind of makes those kind of breathy lizard-like noises, and then he talks a little more like this when he gets to second form. And then when he's uh, perfect, Constantine, he's very eloquent in the way he speaks. Not quite Frieza level, but he's Julian. How would you describe him in his perfect form? Condescending. <laughs> All right, so he is kind of like Frieza in that respect. Basically. How about other characters in this volume? Um, we have 17 and Piccolo fighting. Mary, I guess I'll go over to you. Um, before we get to the fight itself, how do you feel about the interaction between these two characters? I always, it's really brief, but I was always entertained by the interaction between these two. Mm -hmm. And I could never really pinpoint why. What it is, yeah. But well, I feel like they're both. A pompous ass. Well, they both are. Oh, true. So it's like who could trump each other? Yeah. <laughs> 17 is fine and cocky, but I want to bitch slap him when Cell shows up and he's, he's just so, so casual stupid. about it. Yeah. But no, run away. I always get to this part. I always hope that he's going to run away. <laughs> it's going to change. No, when he's you not going to run away. Damn it. All right, well, tell me about the fight itself. I mean, yes, you've made a music video, too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite fights in the whole series. And again, I really can't pinpoint why. Okay. I think I just like, especially in the anime, the choreography and some of the hits and slammings. Mm -hmm. They're very, it's a slow burn. It's not a whole lot of the, especially in the anime, a lot of quick hits and recycled frames over and over again. I think they really take the time, even in the manga, just to show certain hits and you're like, oh, I feel it in my gut. Or, oh, man, I feel my face hurting on that one. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, 
not overly spectacular and it's not over the top. It's not like crazy key battles, although energy blasts are used. Well, I will say we kind of get two new signature attacks from Piccolo in this one fight. Uh, I forget what the Daizenshu calls it. I, I might get this wrong. I think it's the Chobakuretsumaha, uh, which is that one he forms kind of in front of his chest. And then for the video games, it's actually renamed, or maybe it was named there first. I can't remember which came first, the games or the Daizenshu. The Gekiretsu Kodan. That's kind of, you know, a new signature attack for him to use in addition to the Makanko Sapo. And then he's got that scatterish attack that he used on 17 as well, where he surrounds him and then pulls them all in to slam in on the target. So yeah, it's it's a very punching, kick-centric fight, but we do get these two new key attacks. Although I think that um, first one they mentioned was against Cell. It was kind of in the same time period. Jeff, what did you think about the fights? Uh, not a whole lot of fights in this volume. 17 and Piccolo's the big one. But. Pretty much. Uh, other than uh, what we have in the beginning, Piccolo and Cell as well. Early oh, that's stage. true. So Not much of a fight. It was more of a, oh, you got me. Why don't you talk for five minutes? Yeah, well, it was like a test of skill, you know. Yeah. I mean, that was actually pretty clever how they did that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, other than me not liking what was the result of that. But, all right, can I just say that I am really confused with the amount of battles that happen between different people in this volume? Can <laughs> there, I just say that? There are a few. There it's are a very few. Piccolo-centric, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this issue. Yeah, and, and just there's there's so much going on between characters in here. They only happen for, like, a couple pages that... Um, That's true. Reflecting yeah. back on it's a little difficult. So excuse me if I screw this up a lot. I know. It's the kind of thing where we know it so well. We just know, oh, yeah, this fights and then this fights and then we move on. Yeah, I'm just like wrapping my head around it. But mm-hmm. uh, that, it's just the fact that there's so many fights in here. It's a little hard to grasp. Like you get the gotcha. point of it afterwards, like what it's all done for. Uh-huh. But I just start looking at the nitpicky stuff because it's like I'm not being able to focus on one thing. There's a lot going on. You're saying there's a lot of fights, but we also have a lot of information being thrown at us too. With a lot of ca- different characters being involved in this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Especially the early Piccolo and Cell. I mean, we basically get Cell's entire backstory in one bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just constantly thrown at us. Then we get a little bit more, you know, Trunks get the gets the blueprints and you know, we learn some a little bit of more Dr. Garrow, what's going on down there? And um, now we have the Room of Spirit in Time, people are going off to train. There's a lot happening in this volume. Oh yeah. Like there's just characters going to other characters in this setting, going over to that setting and, and Goku's all over the place too. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's kind of like the Pope at this point, being <laughs> traveled from place to place. But I don't know. It's just uh, because of so much going on, it's a little bit difficult to, to fasten on. I mean, we have Goku and Gohan waiting for Vegeta and Vegeta Trunks, and Trunks yep. to do their training. You know, I kind of missed seeing the training parts. I actually kind of wanted to see what Vegeta and Trunks were going through. All right, then, Mary, I'll go over to you, because we do see a little bit in the TV version with them. Right, and it's great fodder for A and Bs. Oh, you guys Trunks have filler. A&Bs anyway. There's some weird shit in there, too. Yeah, they do a lot of good um, imagining, animating things that aren't in the manga, and kind of making it its own thing in the anime, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I totally forget about that. That's a good But, I don't know if I can say stuff without spoiling, but we'll learn more about the room in the actual manga don't we do well we'll see goku and gohan going yeah, yeah yeah that's what i mean okay again i'm more familiar with the anime than i am right. the manga yeah. okay julian again as someone who knows it so well is there too much going on for you now in retrospect or are you still able to keep up with it i'm able to keep up with it i mean it's nice to keep a couple of plot threads moving as long as it doesn't get too complicated mm-hmm. keeps the plot moving i think uh, we shouldn't be looking at dragon ball for example of too many plot threads going on right but <laughs> one piece <laughs> one piece 
I, I've been following the series for years, and sometimes even I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's good. Some Somehow it all falls together in the end, but for a while you're wondering if it just doesn't have too many balls in the air, you know? Gotcha. So Dragon Ball may be complicated for Dragon Ball, but it's still Dragon Ball. Too many cooks yeah. in the kitchen, yeah. as they say. What else about this volume? This is one where I feel there's a lot going on, but kind of not a lot at the same time. I'm not even sure where to take the discussion. I was telling you this as we were reading it. Uh-huh. This is just my perspective with where I was with watching the anime version of this. I'm just so familiar with the anime version of this, oh, yeah. these episodes, just like the last yeah. two volumes that we've read and discussed, and I'm now at the point where I'm reading it, but I'm not quite reading it because I keep picturing, picturing the panels the anime. animated in my head, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I'm just skimming it, really, oh, and I've not absorbing it. voice performances in my head and everything. I mean, it's dead on. Right. And when they're there are little filler things that aren't in there. I kind of forget. Oh, that was in the anime, like um, Cell's Makanko Sapo that he uses on Piccolo during their first encounter. Right. I totally forgot that's not in the manga. I feel like it's at the point where I know the anime version of this stuff so well that I'm reading it and thinking, oh, well, this isn't how it's supposed to be. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I feel like the other one came first, and that's obviously not the case, but I'm just so influenced by it. This is something I actually want to talk about. Um, the last podcast thread for a manga review, uh, our buddy Kunsai83 has been responding. Really interesting point, because I think it carries over so well, Jeff, with you. This is some of the first stuff you saw when we got into fan subs. We came in to anime, and Dragon Ball in particular, at a time where the Cell stuff was so prevalent and easy to get. Sure, Boo was most recent, but the Cell arc had been out there and had enough time to get fan subbed. This is some of the first stuff we all got. Although, I'm not sure about you, Mary. I mean, you said you've watched it so much. Was this part of the series some of the first stuff you got? Uh, I think so. I mean, I bought from the whole series, like, randomly. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, didn't I wasn't okay. a collector as far as the fan subs go. I just, I would go to the flea market every week and it was like a grocery store like i'll pick a little bit from column a b and c like yeah, yeah. Uh, no real you know thought process as far as trying to complete a saga mm-hmm. i kind of watched multiple story points at once and i don't know how i did i definitely did the same thing but i think just by the nature of what was available it was slightly more heavy on the sell side of things just because th- there was more of it i think it's really interesting to come to it so many years later and we're like yeah we know this version from the anime so so well and i think it kind of affects how we read this portion of the manga more so than any other part of well, the manga. Certainly, because I'm the one that's kind of like, you know, throwing question marks all over the place, and you guys are like, oh, it's just because of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I'm the one that's sort of sitting here confused. So, um, does anyone have anything else they want to say in terms of story point or character discussions? Jeff, you want to say anything about Vegeta? You always have fun things to say about him. Being a dick or not being a dick or being a leader. He sat on a rock for three days. <laughs> yes, he well, did. He stood, trunk sat and looked at him. Which was sort of a little, I don't know, weird, I guess. But, <laughs> hey, right. you know, father-son disconnection, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Someone could probably write a song about that whole relationship. I don't really have anything. Maybe they could call it. Fathers and, and sons. sons, yeah. <laughs> just, oh, dear. <laughs> All right. Herms has a bunch of notes for us. We're going to try and cruise through. I mean, he actually broke it down chapter by chapter, but we'll just fly and fly and fly through these. There's some really great nitpicks he's made. So throughout the volume, there are a few times when characters will say, he's not Piccolo Daimo, in reference to this new Piccolo, the, the fusion. This leaves off the Daimo part during these instances, though, rather than, like, 
the great Demon King Piccolo they usually do when that comes up. They're just flat off ignoring it. I think we noted that last volume, and it happens a lot here as well. And they're also continuing their new trend of leaving the Sama honorific off of Kamisama's name. This time when Trunks and Kudadin discuss how Piccolo has merged with Kamisama. And yet, then they'll go and put it when it's not there in the original. Apparently, when Piccolo and Cell are talking, you know, Piccolo wouldn't call himself Sama at this point. Cell's certainly not going to use it, because he's a jackass. And then this, of course fits in with Herms and Huchio so well, the term Kanzentai itself. This is when Cell first mentions Kanzentai, the final form that he will reach when he absorbs 17 and 18. Um, actually, Julie, why don't you take this? Explain what Kanzentai means and how it's combined together. So Cell first mentions his Kanzentai in Chapter 362, which is the final form that he will reach by absorbing number 17 and 18. Now, this is a combination of Kanzen, which means complete or perfect, and Tai, meaning body or form. So it's his complete or perfect body. This usually translates, translates this as perfect form, but sometimes they use complete form or simply perfection. Uh, and fans across the internet insist on spelling it Kazetai, <laughs> which is one of the several reasons why the term would make a lousy website name and Kazetai doesn't get as many hits as it might. Um, they should really just squat on those domain names to point back towards the website. Anyway, <clears throat> the term isn't only used for sell in the wide world of DBZ. It's also used to refer to it as Hildegard's complete form after his upper lower and halves are fused in DBZ movie 13, as well as Piccolo's form after he merges with Kami becomes he becomes a whole Namekian once more, I think. Anyway, <clears throat> outside of Dragon Ball, the term is used in Digimon to refer to the second highest class of Digimon, and I did not know that. Well, now we all just learned something. Constantine is not exclusive to Dragon Ball. Uh, Mary, why don't you take this one here? This is pretty interesting. Sure. In the Japanese manga, Cell refers to himself as a Jinzo Ningen when beginning his uh, self-introduction. While Viz usually translate Jinzo Ningen as android, here they translate it as artificial life form. And that's good. I mean, Jinzo Ningen is kind of this global term that Toriyama uses and when we bring it over here we make a point to say all right 17 and 18 are cyborg 16 is a completely robotic cell is kind of an organic life being in some ways so they're making the distinction um but it, it's it's pretty neat that cell actually introduces himself as a jinzo ningen just like the other ones do there jeff uh you were talking about the insect robots that you hated so why don't you tell me what's going on here with the insect robots okay i sure can uh when cell explains that garo spy robot collected everyone's cells during the battle with vegeta uh, originally he says goku from that time huh in viz he says Goku cells from three years ago, which is a mistake because the battle with Vegeta was uh, actually between four or five years ago at this point, not three years. Ah, see, that's what you get for changing lines. You mess it up, and now you have a timeline conundrum. Julian, I'm going to stick with you because this has to do with cursing in Japanese. What's going on here? Okay, as mentioned before, Viz pretty much phases out swear words at this point, meaning that whenever somebody swears in Japanese, they just use exclamations like, What? Or, oh no! There's quite a few instances of that in this volume, but I'll just give my favorite on mine meaning being uh, Herms's. But <clears throat> anyway, Herms's favorite. When Piccolo tries to chase after Cell when he escapes with the Taioken in Japanese, he goes, Onore! Which is uh, kind of an interjection expressing anger or chagrin. It's really kind of a rude way of referring to someone else. It's saying like, you, but kind of like, ah, you bastard. Kind of, yeah. It's it's along the same lines as um, Kisama. Yes. And through a very complicated sort of process, it's also what gave birth to the term ore. 
in uh, as a first person. Oh pronoun, wow, that's fascinating, actually. Which in Viz is enough. It's dead. I found the Viz line really confusing until I remembered that they always have characters referred to sell as an it. So essentially, this is the asexual equivalent of going, "Oh, he is so dead." So I guess ultimately, it's not so bad a translation of Honore, but I couldn't make heads or tails out of it at first. Maybe it's just me though. I mean. He is so dead. That's so California English. And like, guess where Viz totally is? <laughs> ah, very nice. All right, let's move on. So Vegeta, we love talking about Vegeta and the way he talks and is a jackass to people. When he gets mad at Piccolo for being stronger than him, <laughs> Sherm's writes, oh no, the horror. Originally, he uses the term battle power, of course, Sentorioku, to describe Piccolo's power. Um, a throwback to his days is one of Frieza's scouter-wearing henchmen. It's just the term that Vegeta uses. In fact, he never uses the term ki to refer to someone's power or life force in the original, always using Sentorioku instead. So Viz changes this so that he's now just regularly using ki ever since the Namek arc. Um, it's interesting they have him use it here as well. Herms continues, incidentally, the androids never use the term ki either, and instead use energy or simply power but in Viz, will sometimes say key. Interesting little note there, because that is uh, a very specific Vegeta thing. I guess you're conditioned to saying this one thing for so many years, you won't really start saying key. I wonder if that was intentional on their part, or if they just sort of didn't notice the subtle differences there. I mean, they do seem to generally have a different translator and rewriter, so maybe the rewriter didn't realize the translator actually meant for them to be separate. Mm, that's true. You know, as time goes on, you don't necessarily have the same stat. I mean, we know around this time stuff was going down with Viz, so you didn't have a consistent staff anymore. So that's probably something that had to do with it. I think the most awkward thing is when they came out with the first One Piece art book in the back, they referred to Pirafu. Yes, yes. One of uh, Oda's favorite characters. And I think, do these people communicate with each other in the office? <laughs> right. They just, I don't know. They have no style anyway. guide, apparently. But Mary, I'm going to turn it over to you because this is Goku hilarity, not knowing what the hell's going on. Right. And this is something I noticed when reading this yeah. version. I was like, hey, I remember it being something different. Right. It was. So Goku's proposed name for the fuse. Uh, Piccolo and Kami is Kami Kolo Sama, Sama in Japanese. <laughs> uh, in Viz, it's Kami Olo Pikami. Pikami. I kind of like that one. Kimikolo is such classic. I like Kamikolo. Uh, I'm going to let you take this next one here because it's about your boy. Yeah, my boyfriend. Okay. Trunks originally. <laughs> what are you, 12 years old? Come on. <laughs> I'm like totally 16 again. You oh should my like God. go work at this. Oh, yeah. In California. Trunks originally complains to Kudidin that Vegeta sees him only as an inconvenience, while in Viz, he says Vegeta sees him as a mistake, implying that Vegeta never intended to have a kid, which very well could be true, but <laughs> originally all he's saying is that Vegeta thinks he's uh, annoying, like a nuisance. Jeff, this one's pretty easy, so I'm going to give this one over to you. All right, well, uh, 17 shield technique is called barrier in Japanese. Uh, the actual word barrier, that is? Yep, it's just called barrier. Barrier. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Viz wants to call it Force Field instead, which isn't too big a deal. It's rather odd that they'd bother to change the technique's name when it was already an English word to begin with. Um, Viz actually does the same thing for all future instances of uh, Barrier 2. They did the same thing with Captain Ginyu. With the, Originally, it's change. Uh, they yes. changed it to something else like switch. Like <laughs> switch? Like the word's right there. It's, it's pretty simple. Here's a neat one here. Uh, there's that kind of chart of all the different Jinzo Nigen. It acts as a title page. A few notes on this from Herms. 
and Viz 17, 18, and 20 are all labeled as cyborgs, but in the original, 17 and 18 are labeled as human base androids, while 20 is labeled as human plus machine. Harem says he guess both of those things are basically cyborgs, but still it's worth pointing out that 20 is labeled as something different than 17 and 18. Also, the box on cell originally concluded by noting that from this state, he supposedly can merge with 17 and 18 to reach his perfect form, with perfect form underlined, and viz this whole last sentence is left out for some reason, probably due to space issues. Chart is also the first time that Cell is referred to flat out as an android in viz, he says. And for a couple chapters, we get nothing, although it's actually decent for two chapters. Uh, Mary, here's another one, though. This is more on that swearing, and I can totally picture Furukawa saying this. Like, I, that's just a well known Piccolo delivery to me. So when Piccolo fires his big key blast at Cell, he says, Kutabare! A rude form of die, more or less equivalent to go to hell, or the like. Viz uses, this is it, instead. Was uh, Michael Jackson reference? In that voice. This is it. It's like, go to hell or drop dead. Right. Uh, Julie, why don't you take the next one here, because this is more Japanese wordings. Okay, number 17 calls Cell a yokai yaro, or a monstrous bastard, or something similar. Yokai is a Japanese term encompassing all manner of monsters and spooks, including mythical creatures like Kappa or Tengu, real animals that were once believed to have the power to shapeshift, such as Tanuki and foxes, as well as demons such as Oni or Ashura, which you might know if you've been a follower of, say, Gegege no Kitaro, or was it Inuyasha, which right, right. actually ended last year, by the way. Uh, but today, yokai are most strongly associated with the works of manga artist Shigeru Mizuki, creator of Gegege no Kitaro, like I just said, and numerous illustrated yokai encyclopedias. Kitaro has been voiced by none other than Masako Nozawa in several of its anime adaptations, as well as on the radio. There you go, look at that connection there. So this is uh, kind of one of the big ones in this volume. This threw people into a fit when it first came out in the monthly jump here in the U.S., 16's Hell's Flash, yes, the attack name is in English, just like the Big Bang attack, is changed to Inferno Blast. Censoring? What do you think? What? Yeah, censoring. Well, censoring, but inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, here's the thing. This actually does use the word hell in future volumes. Ooh. Uh, apparently, like, in their uh, title for the chapter when the Cell Juniors attack... I guess it was the children from hell. And in the Boo arc, when Goku promises Babidi that he'll make sure they torture him extra hard in hell. So it is really odd they change it here. Uh, maybe there's a backlash against it. They decide to leave it later on. You and I remember this time period so well. We were so concerned about what was going to happen. And as we saw the censoring with um, the fists that came from the middle fingers up against Cell on the splash here in Infernal Blast... And we had yeah, a character that was coming up with a name change. It's really so confusing. They had, like, so many different people that were working on the series at this time. They weren't really communicating with each other, and they were getting conflicting orders from up top and from other editors. And from what I understand, I'm not really sure what prompted the change. could be the fact that it was in gigantic letters compared to the other ones, or it could just be that they okay. didn't realize they'd previously censored hell until something caught up with them. But it was around this point that a lot of the original staff was no longer working on the series. So right. they didn't really have a whole lot of consistency in terms of what was going on. Mary, why don't you take this next one here? So when Goku senses Cell's sudden increase in power, he says that Cell must have absorbed number 17 or 18 
In Viz, he says that Cell absorbed, quote, one of the machine men, end quote, Another throwback to Viz calling number eight, Mechanical Man number eight. This is especially stupid here because one of the two machine men in question is a woman. <laughs> so they're, they're trying to reference themselves and then just end up being sexist in the process, I guess you could say. Julian, you're going to take, it's the last one here. And this is, I know, going to be really difficult to explain to people without the kanji in front of them. But it has to do with the Shin Kikoho. Yes. In the original Tankobon run of the manga... Tenshinhan's Shinkikoho was written Shinkikoho with the kanji for ko and kikoho written differently than usual, <clears throat> with the right side written with a different, let's see, a different element, I guess you could say. Usually it's written with kanji for workmanship or hard work along with strength. What is that that kind of is? Would I just say that as like ka if I'm reading hiragana or something? Yeah. So it, it, I guess the easy way to explain the normal kanji would be to combine the katakana e and ka. Right. It looks like a capital letter I and then ka. Whereas what it was written with here for Shinki Koho kind of looks like the capital letter I and the number five. It's just a different kanji. Yes. It's a different kanji with the same pronunciation. Now, it could be that there was an error in the original printing, but basically the kiko in the regular way of writing kikoho is the Japanese name for chikong, or the alt of cultivating the chi, making the tax name essentially meaning key cultivation canon, or, and it's also the origin of Viz's original, original name for it, which was the chikong pao. Right. Which is early, early printings of the DBC. Um, not really sure what the significance of the second way of writing it is. There's a few random internet pages that seem to use it as a synonym, but it's also possible that these are also misprintings. So it might simply be an incorrect way of writing the usual qigong or kiko that people sometimes use thanks to not writing out characters often enough and using it, relying a little too much on keyboard input. It makes it really easy to make some really stupid typographical errors, let me tell you. Anyway, but for the record, the Chinese way of writing Qigong is different from both of these because of simplifications carried out in the early days of the communist regime. Gotcha. The Kanzenban run of the manga changed the kanji spelling for the Shin Kikoho so that it matches that of the regular Kikoho, which I think probably strengthens the idea yeah. that it was simply a misleading that nobody caught. Gotcha. That's really going to finish off uh, our manga review this time. I feel like we spent a lot of time on the visisms as well, but they're thoroughly intriguing to me. But I'm going to go over to you, Jeff. Your predictions for next volume of the manga were left off where uh, Cell is now in his second form, and we're still waiting for Vegeta and Trunks to come out of the room of spirit in time. Intention um, Han is going to die. Yeah. And Piccolo's off in like, the ocean somewhere. Yeah. So where are we going? All right. How many different things can I come up with for this? All right. Number one. <laughs> Vegeta and Trunks are done. Goku and Gohan go in. Uh, let's see. Number two. Cell will reach perfect form. Okay, next volume? Yep, next volume. Okay. I think so. It's going to get 18. It's going to get 18 because 18 just likes to stand around, not move, even when she's told a billion <laughs> I, I times to freaking move. I know. Move. After watching what went on with 17, things you run, but... Yeah, and actually, I just want to mention Nitpicky, mm -hmm. the, the panel where she's looking up at uh, 16 and saying, well, what are you going to do? Showing up twice <laughs> within like 10 pages. That really mm -hmm. bothered me, but that's mm -hmm. like, again, nitpicky. Anyway... Just by judging how long this whole thing is, I doubt major shit is going to happen in the next volume. Let's put it that way. You I doubt mean, major shit's going to happen. What do you think is going to be then? Well, I, like I'm saying, you know, perfect form cell might happen, but I don't think it's going to happen until the end. Okay. If anything. Um, what else is there? Piccolo is uh, flying off for what reason? Cell 
broke his neck and blasted a hole through his chest. Yeah, so he's just going off to recover. Tossed him aside. If anything. Hey, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> okay, you don't think Piccolo's dead? No, I don't. All right. I don't. I, I think he comes back. Uh, and also, man, there's too many things going on. Tension Han's gonna die. Um, you think Tension Han's dying? I think so. Okay. I think he's, I think he's gonna end up dead. No, you know what? Again, this is going against memory. So, right. Logic says Tension Han's gonna die. Memory says, uh uh-uh. uh. So, <laughs> hmm, that's a bit of a hard one there. So, so you have an internal fight with yourself. I am. I, I love am. it. That's part of the problem of doing the prediction now. So, uh, what else is there to go on? There's so many characters, unfortunately. You covered just about everyone. That's um, it, isn't it? 18, you didn't say much about 16. No, 16 uh, is going to be around. I know that much, so. Okay. I don't know, you probably just sort of observe flowers and listen to birds. I don't know what he's going to do. This is something we totally forgot to mention when we talked about Norio Wakamoto. 16 is played by Hikaru Midorikawa. And he actually has speaking lines this and time. One of, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite, favorite voice actors. And again, I think he kind of adds to the character there. Yeah, definitely. All right, anything else you want to mention? Chi-Chi's still pissed. Chi-Chi's still pissed. That's always a safe bet to make. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know. Yeah, I want to say that Bulma and uh, and her father are going to look at the blueprints more, probably come up with something else. Oh, okay. Because they have all they the, the plans there. We don't, uh, that's the other thing. Kurti then went off to get the remote. We didn't see anything with that. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, so I think he's going to get it. And um hate to tell you, I know what's going to happen to that little remote. <laughs> you do? Yeah, so I'm not going to say anything. All right. You good? I'm good. All right, that wraps up Volume 31 of the manga. Jeff, you'll join us next month for Volume 32. Yeah, sure. Cool. All right, let's just keep it trucking here. Let's go over to releases. Releases here. We're a little bit into November. Let's start it off November 10th. It's a Tuesday. Video games coming out. Dragon Ball Z Attack of the Saiyans. This is the American release of Dragon Ball Kai Saiyajin Raishu. Came out earlier this year in Japan. It is for the DS from Namco Bandai. $29.99. Good $30 price there. GameStop, Amazon, all the regular places. We've also got Raging Blast coming out in the US. We're getting it here first for the PS3 and the 360. Developed by Spike and of course published by Namco Bandai. This one is $59.99. Standard price for those kind of games. GameStop and Amazon. Finally, from Funimation, the same day, we've got Dragon Ball Season 2, the new remastered sets. This is going to be Dragon Ball TV episodes 32 through 61 on five discs. We've got a 5.1 dub track and the original Japanese mono. It's in 4x3, the correct aspect ratio. The remastering is more along the line to the GT sets rather than the... Uh, cropped orange bricks. $49.98 though Amazon still got the $36.99 pre-order price. Raging Blast, Mary, somewhere else? Yes, uh, the 12th, which is a Thursday. Uh, it's coming out in Japan on the PS3 and 360, again developed by Spike and Namco. Bandai is a publisher. It's 73.29 yen, or you can get it on PlayAsia for uh, $68.90. Yeppers. Jeff, Raging Blast, one more time. Yep, Raging Blast, the European release. This is for the PS3 and 360. Yeah, we got it. What's the price? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's uh, 34.96 uh, pounds at Amazon UK, or uh, basically 49.95 to about 56.45 euros at Amazon Germany. There you go. That should cover just about everyone except Australia. I don't know what the Australian release is, but Raging Blast everywhere. Coming to you soon. Julian, November 17th. This is the big one. November 17th, Tuesday. Dragon Ball Z Dragon Box 1 by Funimation. It's delayed one week from its original release date of November 10th, which is strange because... <laughs> People have it. They're getting it. Uh, it contains DBZ episodes... 
1 to 42 on six discs. It contains the original Japanese mono audio track, English dub in 5.1 from the Orange Bricks, and no dub TV broadcast musical score track. It's only the English dub with the Japanese music, and it goes for a retail price of $79.98, or about $80, but you can find it for $56 at pre-order on Amazon. Actually, it's down to uh, $47.99 on Amazon. What? It's even cheaper right now, still. Damn. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yepers. All right, moving on. November 18th is a Wednesday over in Japan. We've got Dragon Ball Kai Original Soundtrack Volume 2, which we do have a track listing for now. COCX35922. It's got about 30 background music tracks and the opening and ending. MSRP is 2940 yen. CD Japan's got it for a little lower at 2800. Then jumping over to Spain, they get more stuff coming out. They're getting the GT TV special that day. R2 PAL disc, a single disc. Languages we've got is Castilian and Japanese, and then the subtitles are just your Castilian subs. It is 8.95 euros, so it's pretty cheap over on zonadebide.com. Uh, Julian, I'll give you this one. So 19th on a Thursday is a Dragon Ball Kai calendar. It's got two months per giant image at 15.75 MSRP or 1,500 yen at CD Japan. You want to get a nice uh, Dragon Ball Kai calendar for school? I suppose it couldn't hurt, but I mean... I got other calendars, and it's kind of expensive. Is it is that expensive for calendars? Well, not really, but I don't know. I like some other ones better. Okay. Jeff, tell me what's coming out actually the next day over there in Japan. That Friday, you mean? Yes, that Friday. Well, that would be Dragon Ball Kai DVD Single Disc Volume 3, and uh, that's uh, Episode 7 through 9 is 16-9 aspect ratio, cropped in standard definition, uh, 2940 MSRP, uh, sorry, that's 2940 yen MSRP, and uh, about 2800 yen pre-order at CD Japan, or... Uh, 2176 yen if you pre-order from Amazon Japan. Very nice. Mary, I'm looking forward to the 25th because I got new musics. Indeed. It's a Wednesday. It's a progression CD single, which is the opening theme to Dragon Ball Raging Blast, performed by Hironobu Kagayama. Catalog number LACM 4647 for 1200 yen or 1143 yen on CD Japan. Also coming out that day is the French Kanzenban Dragon Ball Volume 5 from Glenon. Uh, it's a 1055 euros or 1002 euros on pre-order on Amazon France. There you go. November. Just the releases. They keep growing for the month of November. It's not stopping. It's crazy. I think December's going to slow down a little bit, but then it's going to pick up again in January. Alright, releases done. We're going to do um, actually two emails, but there are some pretty interesting questions. <laughs> Jeff, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this, so I'm going to ask you to read the email and we'll answer it for you. Sounds good. This email happens to be from D. Kirby J, who says, Hello, DiceyX crew. Uh, I'm a long-time listener, but this is my first time sending an email. Recently, I've been going back and listening to large chunks of old podcast episodes because they're so good during schoolwork and personal art projects. It's always fun to hear my favorite podcasters talk about my favorite anime, so thank you for the good times. You're welcome. Anyway, here's my question. You've mentioned on previous podcast episodes that you guys hate the 10th anniversary movie for Dragon Ball. Uh, you've mentioned you didn't like the deal with Goku's clothing and the giant Kamehameha at the end, but haven't said much else about it. Uh, what is it about the movie you don't like? I found the movie to be decent, but nothing that really made me hate it or anything. Thank you for taking the time to read my email podcast. Please forgive me for any spelling or grammatical errors, because I'm sure there are. <laughs> I think that's a word error. I don't recall saying I hate I it, I was going to say the same thing. I don't recall I, hating it too, but it's not my favorite No, it's thing. definitely not one of my favorites. Julian, how about you? What are your general thoughts on the 10th anniversary movie? Mm, it's alright. I mean, it doesn't have quite the same spirit as the older ones, I think. Mm-hmm. They tried to blend that early, early Dragon Ball with the sort of Dragon Ball Z kind of fighting, and especially the ending. Yeah. And it didn't work quite all that well. The thing 
that really bugs me about that final Kamehameha is Goku's lips are flapping, but he's not saying anything. And I find that... I hate that. Really. Like, it's not even coming off of dialogue. It's just a shot of him and his lips are moving. Like, they must have wrote the dialogue or script poorly. I, I don't know. I don't love it. And, you know, we've got the score being, you know, carryovers with the GT, and it's not my favorite music. I think it's okay. I think the thing I like about it is the look of it. You do like the look of it. I don't like uh, Goku look, is like GT version Goku, so Where's I'm not Dan? a fan of that, yeah. but everyone is very clean and crisp, and the colors are bright. You know what bugs me? What's that? Bulma has purple hair like yes. she does in the manga. It's bizarre. It's blue. like alternate reality Dragon Ball. <laughs> It is weird. It's neat, though. It gets some manga color schemes in there, even though some things are still swapped around. So that's it. I don't know that we hate it, but certainly none of our uh, us here are our favorite movie. I'm going to read this because I want to hear, Julian, you and Mary, what you have to say about this. It comes to us from Jacob. There's always been mention or discussion about how Funimation passed off the franchise in North America as being new, extreme, hardcore, or what have you. Being a child of the Toonami generation myself, I know Toonami threw together some pretty big promos and the like for the series. Dragon Ball Z especially. My question to you guys, as fans since before my generation, is how do you feel about Toonami's own marketing? Might or might not have contributed to the image the franchise has amongst fans of the property in North America, or anime fans in general. Does it damage as much as Funimation, or is it pretty blah? Mary, what do you think? That's tricky, and I almost feel hypocritical saying this, but I really like the old Toonami promos. I think they did stuff. The yeah. difference is that that's how their promos uh, included all anime, so it wasn't like they were totally singling out Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Although I guess when they used to have uh, marathons and stuff, they had like particular taglines and intros that they would make. I always thought they were pretty cool, to be honest. They were pretty effective in showing some of the more dramatic scenes without all the sort of censored stuff that especially the early seasons had. Mm-hmm. So it actually made the series cooler than it was in terms of how it was presented. <laughs> but isn't that what we're arguing? Well, I, I think maybe what Julian is going for, the way I would describe it, is they did what they could with the material they were given, and I think they made some pretty cool stuff out of it. Mary, you'll remember Skits did his own version for season four. Yeah. But remember when season three was starting? I mean, we weren't excited about it because we saw the tapes, but the promos they did for it were like zoomed in from the background towards this 3D spinning TVs, and they were really hyping like just how special this was. And I think for us to have someone treat it as something so special. That was a good feeling to have. You know, it was the greatest action cartoon ever, or whatever that tagline was, until they got Naruto and decided to start calling that the exact same thing. But we'll remember, it was Dragon Ball first. I think the Toonami promos, they were pretty decent. I'd love to go back and watch some of them. I mean, especially after season three. I mean, I wasn't regular watcher of it anymore, but I, I think they treated the series with respect, you know, until Cartoon Network management started shifting around, and who cares about anime there anymore. So, people People have questions, comments. They want our opinions on various things. Mary, you tell me where they send them to. You can send your emails on over to podcast at dizex.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. Julian, tell me about Twitter. Yes, we can be found on Twitter at the following at signs. We can be found at Vegito EX, Saiya Jedi, 
Very TOT, and of course, Dizey X for news and site announcements. Yeppers. Also, I have to mention the uh, Facebook page, because that has significantly more people than the Twitter does. So I, I know where all the cool kids still hang out, and that's over on Facebook. So I'm going to try and give that some more attention. We are done. This brings 196 to a close. We are coming up on episode 200. I have potentially scheduled our little celebratory party for Saturday, December 5th. I haven't decided where exactly yet japan yeah we're doing it in japan i don't know i'm still liking the idea of you and me at a bar just drinking like man (laughs) where all the people go come on (laughs) man we're all friends we're 200 episodes what the hell (laughs) uh we'll do that too (laughs) i know we got some people coming out of the town for it so um, i'm pretty excited to uh meet up with people i don't want to just be friends because you know i talk to you all the time i don't really care about you (laughs) no jeff oh see if i do this show again god (laughs) i got my own show to work i love talking because we talk about music and other assorted things give it a plug as we wrap it up here all right so if you want to keep up with stuff i'm doing i do have a podcast of my own called low fidelity which can be found at uh, lowfidelity.info spelt l-o-f-i-d-e-l-i-t-y dot i-n-f-o and um our uh, twitter as well lo-fi podcast l-o-f-i-p-o-d-c-a-s-t that's uh all i got rattling off them letters like it's nothing like it's nothing like butter <laughs> like butter <laughs> do it for a year you'll be able to spell all right thank you jeff so we'll see you definitely here next month for more manga sounds good and we'll see you for 200 party Yes. Coincidentally, that's not at the same time, is it? What? The review and the episode. No, it'd be like a week after. Uh, I won't make episode 200 the manga review. Yeah, no, that'd be kind of weird. I'm not saying what 200 is. Not that I have a clue what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't that has to that. come first. You I did not just that. say that I have no clue what episode 200 is. You did not hear me say that. <laughs> it's after 199, duh. No, it's, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I can spell. I can't count. It's not my job here. Mary, your job is to count. Let's no, it's not. I never claim such. I fail at counting. Mike, you're 11. all around. You've got a speller and a counter. <laughs> what do I have to do then? I just tell you to do just your job. Edit. Mary, thanks. We'll see you next week. Yes, of course. Right. Plug anything? Sure. TempleTrunks.com. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S.com is a Trunks fan site. Because all I got is my boyfriend. No, not really. But it's funny to say that. <laughs> you know, for the record, I've never thought that. You know, in case there's any doubt out there. I wasn't like a creepy fangirl. Oh, dear. I just want to make that clear. Mike, stop staring at me. It's funny. It's cute and funny. Because we're old now. Very old. Too old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. All right, Julian, you and I, DaisenQEX. Yes, we can be found at DaisenQEX, which is located on the internet at www.daizex.com. That's correct. And that's it. 196. All right. Julian, we may or may not see you next week, depending on uh, when we record and what the topic is, I guess. But we'll try. Yep. All right. All right. So, for Jeff over here. Bye-bye. For Mary over there. See you. And for Julian way the hell off there. Sayonara. My name is Mike Fujito EX, and I will indeed check you out next week with 197. Julian, wrap it up, dude. I thank you, EX. It's a podcast. Bitter Mike. Bitter Mike. With that out of the way, let's go over to our topic. Kai Blu-ray Volume 1. Yeah, I didn't change a bit of text. All right, sue me. (laughs) (laughs) Chi-Chi goes down to check... Chi-Chi goes down. I, I said it. Hey.
They have an emergency shutdown. Finally, he said, everyone else is going to need to train a lot. No. Finally, he said, everyone else is going to need to be a lot stronger. I cannot talk. There's quite a few incidents. 